Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about why house cats are deadlier for local wildlife than wild predators, why soft drinks taste better from a can than they do from a plastic bottle, and how astronomers just found 100 new minor planets beyond Neptune. Let's satisfy some curiosity. This might come as a shock, but that cute and cuddly kitty that lazes around your house all day... It's actually a menacing predator. In a recent study, researchers and cat owners worked together to find out just how much of an impact house cats have on native prey. If you're a cat owner, you may want to sit down for this. Ready? Domestic cats in North America kill between 10 and 30 billion native animals every year. That's a big environmental impact. Researchers at North Carolina State University and the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences wanted to learn more about how all that hunting affects ecosystems. So they recruited hundreds of cat owners in six countries to monitor where their cats go and keep track of how many, uh, gifts their cats brought them. After analyzing data from 925 pet cats, the researchers found some distinct patterns. Cats rarely venture more than 300 feet from home, or about 100 meters. That means all their hunting is typically concentrated in a few backyards. The cats killed between 14 and 39 animals per 100 acres, or 1 hectare, per year. That might not sound like a lot, but that's a huge number of mice, birds, salamanders, lizards, and other fauna. When considered in terms of kills per area, domestic cats kill more prey than native predators their size. The cats killed less prey per day, but they had an outsized impact on their small home ranges, a two to ten times larger impact on wildlife than wild predators, to be exact. Cats hunt where they are, mostly in neighborhoods and housing developments. That means they aren't wreaking ecological havoc in places where nature is relatively undisturbed, like deep in national parks. That's good news for those places, but it's bad news for the kind of biodiversity that's most accessible for people to enjoy. After all, we're constantly reaping the benefits of wildlife, even when we aren't thinking about it. Singing birds brighten the morning commute, and lizards help suburban gardeners by eating pests. According to the researchers, letting cats outside is especially harmful to nature in the kinds of places that have relatively little biodiversity, but where people enjoy it most. If that's not enough of a reason to keep your cat indoors, consider the fact that indoor cats live about 10 years longer on average than outdoor cats, thanks to their lower risk of disease and injury. The consensus among veterinarians and environmentalists is clear. Keep cats indoors. It'll help save the lives of billions of animals, including your own. Aglet the assassin. Yes. You know, we have a bird feeder outside the front window now, and she just attacks the glass like multiple times an hour. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny to watch. Wow. <laughs> Brutal. Right. You wouldn't think that little cuddly thing would, would do that. But no, she's she's deadly. I mean, I have heard the sounds that she makes when you try to move her out of your bedroom when we record. So. Oh, yeah. Those are kitty curse words right there. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever wondered why pop tastes different from a can than it does from a bottle? And yes, I am from the Midwest, so I call soda pop. Ashley's from California, so she calls it soda. I wouldn't say we're fighting about this, but we're fighting about it. We're definitely fighting about it. So, Cody, you have to explain why you originally pitched this story. 
I have wondered this for a long time. So literally, as we record this, I'm holding in my hand right now a can of Mountain Dew. And let me back up. Mountain Dew is an ultra-processed drink, <laughs> but it's a guilty pleasure. I played a lot of video games growing up. Yes, I am that stereotype. I happen to like Mountain Dew. Okay, let's just move on. And if I'm out and I feel like a Mountain Dew, I'll buy a can or I'll buy a glass bottle or I'll get it from the fountain, but I will not drink it from a plastic bottle because I think it tastes terrible. And I can't be the only person that noticed this, right? Like, do you have any soft drinks you like to enjoy that you don't like as much from a plastic bottle? No, I totally, I totally see where you're coming from. I'm a big Diet Dr. Pepper person and and from a bottle is sort of weird. I actually started using an aluminum water bottle just because I like the taste of metal on my water for some reason. I don't know. It has a kind of a sharper tang to it. Right. So <laughs> I'm not the only kind of quirky one here. Right. <laughs> so we're going to dive into why soft drinks taste differently from different receptacles. I think this is a very important question. Now, the Coca-Cola company claims that Coke tastes the same regardless of its packaging, but from personal experience, like we just said, that doesn't really seem completely true. And it turns out there are a few ways the container can affect the taste of pop, even if most of those ways are extremely subtle. The biggest variable is carbon dioxide, the gas that provides that distinct tingling mouthfeel of carbonation. Manufacturers put the same amount of CO2 in bottles and cans, but over time, it escapes, and that happens at different rates depending on the container. Glass bottles and aluminum cans are rigid with tight molecular structures, so it's difficult for carbonation to escape. But most plastic bottles are made of polyethylene terephthalate, or PET, which is more permeable. Coke stored in a plastic bottle can lose up to 15% of its carbon dioxide in 12 weeks, that's partly because it's flexible and doesn't keep the liquid under as much pressure as other materials, and partly because the PET literally absorbs some of the CO2. Temperature also has an effect on carbonation. Liquids can hold on to more CO2 when they're cold than when they're warm, so more carbonation escapes in that first hiss when you open a beverage at room temperature than it does when it's ice cold. But the packaging can slightly affect a soda's taste, partially through chemical interactions between the container and its contents. The FDA and food companies extensively test the materials used in food packaging, so there's a lot of evidence that they're safe. But some people can still detect extremely subtle differences between different materials. Like, plastic bottles might slightly affect taste by leaching a chemical called acetaldehyde, and aluminum cans are lined with a polymer that might sometimes absorb a small amount of flavor from the soft drink. But beyond those tiny differences, the main effect might just be in the taste of the container itself. After all, your tongue touches the bottle or can when you drink it. People who are especially sensitive to the taste of metal might pick up on that in a brief moment when the drink is passing out of the can and onto their tongue. So in the end, if you taste a difference, it's not just in your head. And if you'd rather drink your Mountain Dew from a can than a plastic bottle, I'm right there with you. More power to you. Pluto isn't the only minor planet circling the sun. A team of astronomers just found more than 100 new minor planets in the outer reaches of the solar system, some more than twice as far from the sun as Pluto. Astronomers call any body in our solar system with an orbit beyond Neptune a trans-Neptunian object. That classification includes all the icy bodies in the Kuiper Belt, the comet factory known as the Oort Cloud, 
and heftier minor planets like Eris, Haumea, and Makemake. There are a lot of trans-Neptunian objects we knew about already, and these new observations bring the full tally up to more than 3,000. But how do astronomers locate such small objects that are so far away? Well, these new finds come courtesy of the Dark Energy Survey, or DES. As the name implies, DES was designed to study dark energy by taking high-quality images of galaxies and supernovae in the southern skies. But it just so happened that these strengths made DES data perfect for spotting faint, faraway objects in our own solar system, too. The researchers started with four years of DES data and used software to identify 7 billion dots. That's what they called all the objects their instruments identified. Graduate student Pedro Bernardinelli was in charge of figuring out which of those 7 billion dots were minor planets. He whittled the list down to 22 million objects by removing anything that stayed in the same place on consecutive nights, like stars, galaxies, and supernovae. Those faraway objects are moving, but they're so far away that they appear stationary when observed from Earth. Bernardinelli described the next step as a massive game of connect the dots. He looked for sets of two or three observations that were close to each other over consecutive nights, and that would mean that they were really time-lapse images of the same object in orbit. That left him with a list of 400 candidates. After a lot more cross-checking and triangulation with other data, Bernardinelli and his collaborators found 316 trans-Neptunian objects, and 139 of them are new to science. Now that they've finished this first pass, the Dark Energy Survey team is going to use the same methods on their entire dataset using lower thresholds for the first big filtering stage. They think they'll find up to 500 more minor planets that no one had ever seen before. It's a lot of minor planets. There is so much stuff out there. It's wild. It's a big universe. It's even a big solar system. That's true. But it's a small world, after all. After all. Let's recap the main things we learned today. Well, Ashley's cat is a murderer. <laughs> is that the takeaway? <laughs> yes, she's an adorable murderer. But why is she a murderer, Cody? Because they're making a true crime podcast about her. <laughs> that is the one true crime podcast I would listen to. But I do want to say Aglet is an indoor cat. She does not go outside. She does not kill native prey. So... No emails. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I was just joking about Aglet really killing things. Except for our hearts, because our Instagram's so adorable. <laughs> she really wants to kill everything, though. She's a, she's a murderer <laughs> in her heart. <laughs> and she's not alone. Domestic cats kill more native prey than wild predators. So keep them indoors so they don't mess with the environment as much. And we also learned that soda really does taste different from a can than it does from a plastic bottle. I feel like this was a real win for you, Cody. <laughs> I actually, I didn't realize that, that plastic can actually absorb carbonation. And so after a while, if you don't drink it, it's not going to have as many bubbles as it did when it was bottled. I have always noticed that there's less carbonation in the plastic bottles. Maybe I'm just really weird, but I'm going to finish this Mountain Dew and feel just fine about it. And we learned that astronomers just discovered more than 100 new minor planets past Neptune. It's a lot of minor planets. And the wild thing is that if you traveled beyond Neptune, it wouldn't be crowded because they're just they're so far out there. It's it's mind boggling. I can't either. 
Today's stories were written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.